Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Yes, my job as a comedian, that's my passion really, is to find the levity in these moments. You know, I, I often say comedy and, and laughter are a, are a physical manifestation of hope or optimism, but it is good to remember that there is something real happening. And so finding that balance is, is often best achieved when as the performer, you have real human beings who you are, who you're, you, you know, you're sharing the stories with, because then I feel like it creates an honest conversation and it reminds you to keep engaging the human inside of you whilst also allowing the comedian in you to help you get through the tougher moments. Trevor Noah finally welcomed back a live in-house audience on The Daily Show this year. And even though he enjoyed the experiment of doing his late night series without a crowd, now that they're back, he realizes how important they were to his rhythm. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah host Trevor Noah about doing a show like this when the news is so incessantly grim. We also talk about the success of his correspondence, the fact that he may be the only weeknight talk show host who hasn't gotten COVID, and also the show's multiple Emmy nominations. But first... As voting draws to a close on Monday, our award circuit roundtable discusses this year's wide-open Emmy races. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. Pencil's about to go down. It is the final days, final hours of voting. And I'm Michael Schneider from Variety, along with Emily Longaretta, Jazz Tanke, and Clayton Davis. And we're heading to the home stretch here. Uh, voting ends Monday at 10 p.m. Pacific time, which means you still got the weekend to catch up, watch a few more things that you haven't yet, uh, go to a few more events and really make those final decisions. So how are you feeling, have, Clayton? Uh, I have a question for you guys. How many do you think a lot of people vote early or think this is people are waiting till the end? How much power do we That's, have right now to tilt? It's always the question. I mean, it depends. I'm I'm a procrastinator. And what happens often with the things that I get to vote in is I never get around to voting because I wait to the last minute and then suddenly it's too late. Yeah, so, I can definitely see people waiting until the last minute. And be, yeah. Oh, my God, I do it by, by this time. So I'm going to go right now. Well, do they get reminders? Because then it's like, oh, wait, I haven't voted yet. And then you'll vote Monday. 
I do wonder if that impacts all the things that's happened in TV this week, because folks who waited to vote just watched the series finale of Better Call Saul and were blown away by that last episode. And maybe that changed some minds. Maybe we got a few more Bob Odenkirk and Ray Seahorn stands now that hopefully no, are no, no spoilers. I've watched a lot. I've been watching the last two episodes. No spoilers. That's on you, Clayton. That's right. that's. No, okay. I'm, I'm I'm avoiding everyone like the plague. I was. <laughs> thinking that about only murders in the building too which is still airing right yeah yeah but the finale yep so yeah so that that does you know with with things sort of ongoing ironically on episodes that won't be eligible until next year but nonetheless has some impact on how people are feeling about those shows that are the seasons that are nominated Mm -hmm. so So I, I, in in looking at this landscape right now, I, I wanted to kind of jump through some of the wide open races. When I say wide open, like the ones that we really feel like we don't know. Wait, wait, Clay and I have a theme song. What? Wide open races. <laughs> Emily, I would like to publicly shame you for spending way too much time with, with, with Mike and knowing exactly where he was going to go. Of course but the cue of that guys that was unplanned really great we can't even do this episode anymore that's how I, i've never been so disappointed in emily and her, and her performance but it's it's fine i was going to request that they release a single or a tiktok yeah Remix. Oh, <laughs> with that though the wide open races that we have going on uh, I'm gonna go through a couple of them, and then I want to discuss it. And the one that's most on my mind is outstanding drama series, where we have Succession, Squid Game, Severance, Ozark, Yellow Jackets, Stranger Things, Euphoria, and Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a bit of a theory that I would like to discuss publicly. Yes, Succession does not just temperature gauge does not feel like a lock, quote unquote in any category does anyone else kind of feel that way because of that because most of its categories that it's in it's splitting with itself mm-hmm. except for writing so that might be the its closest thing to like locked up but it also could lose that so what if succession breaks handmaid's handmaid's tales record last year and goes oh for 25 oh wow wow you're going there clayton um, I oh, mean, kind of crazy. I think I don't yeah. think it's going over twenty five. No. Well, here this is why. It's, here, let me add to the theory. The reason why is the last two years we've seen them go all in on a show. They're obviously just going down the line on ballots. So you kind of have to pick the correct one show and kind of stick mostly with that. And it may deviate in a couple places. But what if they're all in on Squid Game? And they just go, and that means Succession doesn't win. Like, it's things that are supposed to win. So to that, should we look at creative arts as an indicator, or do you think... I learned a long time ago when The Mandalorian had that great night at the creative arts, and everyone convinced themselves The Mandalorian was going to do it. So I never listened to creative arts. Yeah, well... And that that that's an example of Mandalorian was such a yeah. it's it's such a crafts heavy show that uh, I wasn't surprised, but yeah, a lot of people sort of were at that point like, well, maybe Mandalorian is the front runner. Yeah. It clearly wasn't. But and on the and by the way, on the flip side of that, Euphoria 
can win a lot of creative arts and a lot of stuff, but also feels like number seven or eight in drama series at the same token. Well, you mentioned Squid Game, but what about Severance? I I do feel this Severance momentum right now. I mean, am I crazy? No, you're not. It it's, it bothers me daily because I not because I <laughs> I love the show. It's my favorite yeah. show of the year. But it's just as a predictor, as a master predictor, it this is this is troubling. Yeah, because we just don't it, know. Yeah, what like listen? You, if you told me that Dan Erickson won directing, I totally would believe you. To me, won writing, I believe you. Told me Patricia Arquette pulled it off. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, she did. I think Adam Scott pulls it off only if Severance is winning drama series. But it, you could tell me that it won drama series also. I mean, it's the it's newer than the, the the phenomenon is newer than the succession phenomenon and the Squid Game phenomenon. So if you just think about sort of what's top of mind uh, and you know what's sort of been out there banging the drum, Severance has been out there banging that drum. They have been. I will also say though, Yellow Jackets has been out there. I mean, and it's very smart that Yellow Jackets is rolling out these big announcements of who's coming, who's being cast in next season mm-hmm. this week, because it's it's very, very like that's a great strategy on their part that it's characters people are dying to see come back. And then they're like, Oh yeah, remember Yellow Jackets and how good it was. So even though it was on a while ago, and I mean, we're seeing pop-ups all over the city of FYC, you know, pop-ups for for Yellow Jackets, I wouldn't count that out. I think they're doing a huge, great job of staying part of the conversation. Yeah. I, I would also like to publicly say this, that Emily Longoretta convinced me to predict Melanie Linsky. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, but then let's also go back to Better Call Saul. So I think what we're saying is this is going to be a six-way tie. Um, somehow, <laughs> 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 that's that's what you predict, Clayton. Just like six way tie. <laughs> yeah. So with the better call solidness of all this, now that rhymed sort of. Um, do voters know that they can vote for Odenkirk and Racy Orange next year? No, I don't think they do. I, I I don't think they're paying as much attention as we are to the sort of the, I mean, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised, although next year it'll be so out of consciousness at that point that it'll be an honor just to be nominated and, and there's no guarantee they'll be nominated next year. So with that said, then, do we just say checkbox Bob, checkbox Ray, enjoy your night, they're the two representations for the show i i do i still stand by what i said last week or the week before i think ray can win without bob but bob can't win without ray i mean i wouldn't be mad at both of them up on stage Uh on september 12th so it's it's weird we haven't had a zeitgeisty end of a show in that was satisfying also that we have to preface that because we had Game of Thrones and no one was happy about that. So we haven't had this end of a show that like I felt like everyone was like in it. And mm-hmm. then like, it was like an event and people were like, oh, my God, it's over. Yeah. And I think it I think yeah. maybe that's AMC marketing. Maybe that's just like it really. Well, I think that's the Breaking Bad universe continuing on, though. I think that's like, oh, the, oh, it's like all the emotions you felt when Breaking Bad ended all over again. Basically, with like a whole new group of people. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, that's a little bit. Of, but in, to expand the conversation to comedy series, I did a piece last week about it's crazy that I think Only Murders is about to break the all-time record for most wins in the first season, and one of those won't be comedy series. I don't think. 
or maybe it's just going to win comedy series. But that's also like a four to five horse race. I think Maisel, where, where are my bottom three? Like in my, it's uh, Maisel, we, what we do in the shadows and Curb Your Enthusiasm aren't going to do it. So Barry, Hacks, Abbott, Only Murders, and Ted Lasso all fighting equally. But I also, I like, I, I think I'm, I think I'm being generous when I say Barry's in it because I kind of don't think it Barry is. Not for comedy series, anyway. Probably not for comedy series. I think it goes to the heart of how dramatic this season was. Uh, and, and I think they're going to look at other ways of rewarding that show. Perhaps, perhaps Bill Hader, perhaps Henry Winkler. You know, they're, 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 the show will get something, but probably not comedy series. So then so. we have the four. Abbott was the prom queen of the of the year. Like I Miss think Congeniality. it was it, it was just it was there. It made everyone feel mm-hmm. great. Still did that good job leading into this. But then with seven nominations, like how like it went to comedy series and what else is that? Like what else does that night look like? You have to always feel like your winning predictions have to tell a story. What happened on that night in which Abbott won? Quinta upset Gene Smart, then yeah, go with Jesus. I think that's no way. I do think Quinta's winning writing. Yes, I think we've yeah. said this a few times. I feel like Gene Smart and along with Michael Keegan are the two kind of the only two that I would say locks. I mean, I know that's hard to say for any, but those are the only two that I feel like pretty secure about. I don't think Jennifer Coolidge likes that statement too much. I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. about Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer Coolidge as well. Yeah. yeah. But there's also that risk of, you know, like the entire cast of White Lotus being in that category. So yeah. I'm always, I always just get a little worried with that. I, I, th- I think, I, I feel good about Gene. I do think there's a moment in which Gene doesn't win. Because again, you, the, do you think Hacks is going to do it? Because like, I think then, I think Hannah Einbender has to come in with that. I don't feel like it's, she's that's really out there that everyone feels like, yeah, we got to give Hannah Einbender uh, an Emmy right now. Cause I think if they would have done it, they would have did it last year. So I just think Waddingham's going to do it again, or my theory, Shirley Ralph, and then everything's right in the world. Mm. Well, that depends on if Abbott gets sort of that, just that, that straight ticket. Uh, And, and, you know, if we're talking, you know, cause like you were saying, the direction seems to be going, voters go with that straight ticket, then what is going to be the show that just dominates? And it could be Abbott. It's, you know, again, peaked at the right time, but. But that goes with the question of lead actor. So can you foresee a Jason Sudeikis win? Which, by the way, I don't know if anyone's noticed, he has never lost an award for Ted Lasso. He's perfect mm-hmm. on every televised award show. Oh, wow. Since season one. So are we overthinking this and it's just Jason Sudeikis? Well, it does come down to, I mean, do we think Steve Martin and, and Martin Short do cancel each other out? And I think that is a possibility. Well, um, I think doing, doing a podcast with Mike Schneider is pretty like uplifting. And uh, so Steve we gotta go got to go Steve Martin now. Steve Martin got a really good boost <laughs> at the end there. I mean, that's just me thinking out loud. But Steve Martin, I think there is a little bit of a groundswell. Again, you start asking yourself, how many people know that he wrote the show? Wrote the episode that's nominated because the writers' names aren't on the ballots. It's just the name of the episode. I think more people now than used to. I think because people know that he's co-creator, which I think a lot of his press has helped spread that word. 
um, that, that he's out there, but yeah, you've got, it's, it's the battle of the SNL stars, right? Cause you've got Hader, you got Steve Martin, who technically wasn't a regular cast member, but he almost was Martin short and Jason Sudeikis. So it is the SNL battle to the death. Choose violence and predict Nicholas Holt. Then we, we <laughs> did that. That's the night we didn't know what I happened. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. Oh, I'd be mad. I'd be mad. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be pretty uh, I'd, curious. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love an apolog- underdog. Apologies to Nicholas Holt, but if he wins after all of this, <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's so many legends who are up yeah, for this award, right. you know, and yeah. how great would it be to see Steve Martin win his first Emmy since what, 1968? Uh, since 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 the Smothers Brothers uh, comedy yeah. hour in sixty eight or sixty nine, so that would be pretty astounding. And, but, but, and who doesn't? Well, I mean, Martin Short. You just know it will be hysterical if he goes up on stage. Uh, you know that that would just be fun. I, I still stand by my explanation. I think there's a purity vote in every category. I think Martin Short is that purity vote, and I think he's like the one that people are like, oh, I love him. I want to give it to him, and that's what's eating into Steve Martin a ton. But my wildest theory that I'm really, because do you guys remember Ewan McGregor winning for Halston? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have yeah. heard around the world. And do you know who I am really flirting with that being in a stunning upset? Sarah Paulson. That wouldn't even be an upset to me because the, TV Academy loves Sarah Paulson and we all know that they love a transformation and she had a transformation to me. That was, I mean, Lily James, obviously physically, but Sarah Paulson like went all in on that. So I like, to me, that would not be surprising. I I think that's another category that to me is like completely up in the air. I have no idea who would take that as much as ever. It used to be Amanda Seyfried's a lot, but now I'm like, and that's, and that's what's weird. Yeah. Like she was so preordained and then it just kind of fell. Now I say fell apart. Cause not falling apart. It's just like, she just doesn't feel, you know what it was for me? It's the writing nom for impeachment. That's what sent me up. Mm-hmm. That's what I was like, Oh, this isn't just mm-hmm. Paulson. No, they liked the show on top of that, which we all kind of thought they didn't. Well, tune in to tomorrow's podcast when I talk to Amanda Seyfried and uh, Liz Merriweather about the dropout (laughs) and bring it home for the dropout. The award circuit podcast wins again. Amanda is a safe choice, though. Mm -hmm. You you, you stay safe. You stick with Amanda. I think that's a good spot to be in. The last category I want I want to discuss because I think it's just providing a lot of uh, anxiety is supporting actor drama in that category with our four our three succession boys I almost said four because we all I forget that Alan Ruck didn't get nominated there's this yeah. battle between Kieran Culkin and Matthew McFadden Matthew McFadden submitted all the bells say which is nominated for writing Kieran Culkin submitted too much birthday which is nominated for directing uh all the bell says it's also nominated for directing as well the boys made split votes and i've asked to myself who comes up the middle the only person that's not from a show that has another cast member in it is billy crude up mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and how like the, that. the morning show gets another emmy <laughs> <laughs> and i recall sitting next to emily longaretta and they said the name Reese Witherspoon. 
and I almost threw up. And then I thought to myself, like, listen, and he won before. So, like, on paper, you go, yeah, like, he won again. I mean, I'm a huge Billy Crudup fan. I just, I feel like in comparison with the rest of the people in the category, it's so hard to pick him. It's that he's the best part of his show, and I think that goes (laughs) a long way. Honestly, I agree. When you're the standout, it really, it makes you look better sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I've gotten like, uh, uh, people, you know, sort of like tossing nasty, uh, jibes at me for, for saying that in the past that it's, he's sort of the best part of the morning show, but I think he is. I mean, he, like, he just nails that portrayal of the network executive who we've all known through the years. And I would not be surprised and I'd be, I'd be fine with it. I mean, I'm fine with most of these choices. I mean, honestly, if one of the severance guys, I mean, how, Christopher Walken or John Turturro, again, two icons, yeah. that's yeah. fine. The Squid Game folks, that would be so, fine. So, so some history. Parquet Sue is the only person in that category that I feel like I could comfortably say, like, he ain't going to win. Like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, if they're going to go Squid, they're going to go with the Golden Globe winner, Ho Young right. Sue. Right, exactly. Uh, so I feel like Parquet Suits really like not going to, but Walken, Walken, I look at him, I think people know he hasn't won an Emmy and he's yeah. Christopher Walken. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah. That's my, my other thing. I think I wrote this in um in the magazine when we did like a deep dive right after nominations and just like the overall themes. Like the amount of actual icons on this list is so insane and so heavy. Like every single category has at least one like true like star and i feel like when i hear christopher walken hasn't won an emmy it like hurts my heart i'm like in what what is this world we live in so to me that is kind of like oh i think people feel that way too yeah i mean it's 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 all it's all these feelings but at the end of the day what i predict will be correct 100 because i've never been wrong about anything at any award show in history everyone knows this fact yes but i but i believe it's going to be a crazy, crazy Monday. Like banana. I think we're, I think it's going to, I think we're going to be like, oh, we don't know anything. Like, I don't know why we even do this. <laughs> e, e, like EEs are done. Like guys, it's no, it's no point. Like, and that means you and I won't have jobs. So I don't no, know why. No, we, 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 we will. They'll just be like, you know, whatever, whatever variety switch to do the opposite. <laughs> just, just vote for the opposite. But yeah, it, it, in a lot of ways, it could be super easy and super clear. In other ways, it could be just utter chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to know. I just want to know if Zendaya is going to win multiple Emmys. That's really what I want. Oh, how many times is she going to just hear her name called? Nominated four times. I'm into it. And and what happens yeah. when Chippendale Rescue Rangers wins TV movie? Clayton is going to. That's jump not for joy. Happen, right? Stop not that! Happen. Stop that! I think it's going to happen. Give me Zoe's all day. I'm sorry, a TV show that got canceled is now it became a movie and is nominated. Like to me, that deserves an Emmy just for that. The, this happens all the time. This is not new. I know, territory. and I love it. Listen, I know, and I love it. All that's all that's going to do is encourage the Roku channel, though. <laughs> <laughs> I will stand by Chippendale Rescue Rangers. If I had a vote, that would be my vote. But I think it's going to be the Survivor. Yes, same. <laughs> right. The, the, I think the, it's an easy, it's an easy the, choice. The most, the most TV movie choice of the TV movies. That Toronto Film Festival yes. TV movie. Yes. <laughs> really went the distance there. Somebody's voting right now as they listen to this podcast and like, hmm, 
Chippendale or the Survivor? Uh, listen, Joe, if Zoe wins, it literally mirrors uh, Dolly Parton. That means it wins choreography also. So it'd be like Into it. good, a good day to be alive. Uh, but yeah, that's it. And then um, it's amazing race going to win, Mike. I just want to make sure you're going to be satisfied. Oh, no, I'm satisfied. Yeah, RuPaul will win again, which, eh, fine. <laughs> I know that's Jazz's show. No offense, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm ready for more excitement. I need a new winner in this category. Mm-hmm. How about Lizzo? L- Lizzo would be fun. Like, I want Lizzo to go. Lizzo's the upset. Yeah. She's, a, she's the upset pick for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is time to, to sort of shake up that category. So that would be fun. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah. You know, uh, I, mean, I mean, honestly, same with Variety Talk. I, again, you know, no, no shade to John Oliver, but y- you got, you got it. Like, let's, yeah. let's get, let's get, you know, I'd love to see Seth Meyers up there. I'd love to see Trevor. I mean, I'd love to see any, like Trevor or Jimmy Kimmel or, or Colbert. Honestly, yeah. I'd love to see one of them up there. And again, because John Oliver has enough Emmys, I, I feel comfortable in saying, eh, let's 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 get someone else in that category. But yeah. that being said, John Oliver is going to win. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it's funny. I feel Jimmy Kimmel's the most out of it because he's the only one that has just one nomination only, and that's for Variety. Yeah, the Variety category. They got nothing else. So um, Seth would be interesting if if he actually pulled it off. I think people will be very happy about it, but I think we do need some change in that category. But that's really just because we need to merge variety talk and variety sketch because variety sketch is a nail biter of a category with those two. Well, and again, and I write about this in variety.com slash, actually there's no slash uh, in one of my columns is that not only that, but some of the short form variety categories need to merge together too, because uh, you know, Tim Robinson show should be there um, along with Saturday Night Live and Black Lady Sketch Show. Because when you think about it, we watch all of these shows in clips. So there's no difference between watching Tim Robinson versus SNL. People are watching them the same exact way on the same exact platform, probably on YouTube. So I, rep- I reported about Tim Robinson trying to go Variety Sketch and it was rejected from Variety Sketch. They yeah. It's that- already short because they said the episodes mm-hmm. are too short. That makes which no they are. Sense. That is that, that is yeah. true. They should be but, five hours long. But <laughs> yes, it should be there. But the they all should be there combined. So all right. Well, onward. Dude, we, to, we cleared it. We cleared it all up for everyone. That's it. We're done. I think we confuse people even more. <laughs> I think anyone listening right now has just given up and they're not voting. I, I think we've just <laughs> we've scared people off from voting this weekend. I apologize. Go with your hearts and don't go with just the one show there's no show that deserves every win yeah mix it's, spread the yeah. love i don't think the love. i think i put this out on social media one day i said is there a show that you really in any season have, would have given it every single category or have rewarded it multiple times over every single year think about how big tv is yeah no nothing deserves it all you need to need to mix it up so Yes, like, agreed. Like Clayton okay. sang, listen to your heart. Did <laughs> you sing that? Play? That played at my senior prom. The the, the the techno version, though. Oh, not the rock set version? No, no, no. The techno <laughs> version. That was out in 2002. Yes. Uh, I'm class of 2002, Mike. Stop. 
to stop. I didn't even know there was a techno version, but. Oh, it's actually really oh, good. good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, Clayton's going to give us a little sample of it right now. Yeah. Go? No, it's, it's, no, I can't. No, I, I'm very baritone when I sing. <laughs> the reason why it was Audrey too. Um, there's also a techno version of uh, Heaven. Brian Adams. Also Heaven. very good. Also very good. Yeah, so, Emily, no, Emily, because we're from the East Coast. Yeah. We had, we had, uh, the East Coast flavor. Yeah, no, there's, there was a, a terrible period of time where suddenly everyone was remaking 80s and 90s songs with a techno beat. And yeah, dark, dark period of music history. But we're back. Actually, Mike, my, my, just last question for you. Do you know what uh, New York freestyle music is? Of course, I oh, am. I I am Mister Freestyle. Because I, I by the way, there, there's there's like a freestyle concert coming to Long Beach. You want to go? I would. Are you serious? I mean, like Stevie B. No, uh, I mean Spring Love is gonna. Yes, I want to go. Like, stop. Are, I mean, is really? Yeah, I love. <laughs> I'm so excited. I could cry. Right I now. love freestyle. So the reason why I, I don't know how it like reached masses outside of New York city. Cause like we have KTU over there and they, they have like freestyle days and they just play it on the radio all day. And I don't hear that over here. So I don't know who knows who Steve B is, but if there's a concert, I would need, I need to be there. Like I need to. Okay. We need to go because okay. yeah, it's field yeah, trip. Free- there we go. We'll report live from the freestyle concert uh, extravaganza. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring Chris Woolman just so we make it look like it's official. <laughs> like like uh, Chris Woolman's here to report, guys. We're here to help. I thought you were gonna ask him if he knew what a regular coffee was. Oh my god, that was That's some dark. That was a dark moment in history for all of us. <laughs> I can't believe any. Yeah, that that I don't get. But all right. On that note, everyone. Be safe, careful, vote often, vote wisely, and don't vote often. That is cheating. (laughs) Vote once. (laughs) Vote one time. After the break, the Daily Show host Trevor Noah from Los Angeles. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. It's been a fruitful summer for Trevor Noah. Most recently, the FBI's raid of Mar-a-Lago to recover classified documents stolen by Donald Trump just brings home the scary absurdities of our time. And although the news is shocking, frightening, and depressing these days, as the former president seeks to undermine our democracy and may very well succeed, sometimes you just have to laugh at the ridiculousness of it all. Remember how last week the FBI took an eight-hour vacation to Mar-a-Lago and went home with a bunch of souvenirs? Well, we all had the same question. What were they looking for at Donald Trump's house? This weekend, we all found out. This morning, the newly unsealed search warrant shedding light on what exactly FBI agents were looking for at Mar-a-Lago and what they seized. According to the documents made public by a federal judge, agents were searching for evidence of three potential crimes, violations of the Espionage Act, unlawful removal of public records, and obstruction of justice by concealing, altering, or destroying records to impede an investigation. They found 27 boxes of government records, including 11 sets of classified documents. Four sets of documents were marked top secret. 
and one marked top secret SCI, a classification reserved for some of the most sensitive intelligence and national security information, typically only viewed in a highly secure location. Yeah, that's right. Turns out Trump didn't just have top secret documents, they were top secret SCI. What does SCI stand for, you ask? That's also top secret, you dumbass! <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't even know you could have a level of secret above top. Did you know this? <laughs> yeah. I also don't think it makes sense, right? That's the point of top. If there's something above top, then top is middle, you know? <laughs> yeah, top is top, people. Like, top gun. He's the best fighter pilot. If someone else come in and then they're, they're like, top a gun, I want my money back. That's not what I was promised. <laughs> Not to mention, if something is top, but then we find out that there's something above that, then how do we know that that's not the final thing? Then there could be something above that. And then how do we know that there's not something above that? that because there's no top. Like, top has to be the top, then there's no end. And then, like, space-time is, what, infinite? And then do we even exist? Like, what, what does this mean? Like, who are we? I'm having, I'm having a panic attack right now. Stop the show. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah returned to its old studios this spring, with the Comedy Central late-night show finally bringing back an in-studio audience after two years. Noah welcomed the audience back after hosting the Grammys, which earned him high marks yet again. This year, The Daily Show landed its most-ever Emmy nomination since Noah took over in 2015, with nods including outstanding variety talk show and writing for a variety series. In the ever-expanding The Daily Show universe, The Daily Show presents Jordan Klepper Fingers the Globe, Hungary for Democracy, received a nomination for Outstanding Writing for Variety Special, while Between the Scenes received its fourth nomination for Outstanding Short-Form Nonfiction or Reality Series. And Desi Lydic earned a nomination for Outstanding Actress in a Short-Form Comedy or Drama Series for Desi Lydic Fox Plains, which is also her first individual Emmy nomination. I recently spoke with Noah about the current state of the talk show game, working with his correspondents, and even a bit about hosting the Grammys right after the Will Smith slap at the Oscars, as well as his online exchange with Kanye West. I began by asking Noah what it was like to get back into his groove with an audience. You know, I, I, I must admit, I think I took it for granted. You know, when, when the pandemic started, because it was such a novelty, I don't think I really thought about what a difference it would make to have people that I was speaking to as the proxies for the viewer at home. And um, initially, it was fun. You know, it was a novelty. It was different. It was interesting. And I actually enjoyed elements of doing the show without an audience. But what, what happens over time, and I think this is, you know, in some ways, it was analogous to what happened with us wearing masks the whole time is you forget that you're not smiling as much. You know, you, you forget that you're not making eye contact with another human being. You forget how much our moods, uh, you know, as, as people are affected by other people's moods. And so that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've really, really, really appreciated, uh, appreciated coming back to a studio with an audience is how much the audience lifts me. I, you know, I have fun with them. We, we, we share conversations. We, we discuss what's happening in the news. And it becomes more about what's happening in my head and, and or less about what's happening in my head and, and more about the conversation I'm having with people that we're all experiencing. And yeah, I think I've, I've really missed the communal aspect of, of, I think, getting into what's happening in the world. As you say, the FBI raiding a uh, former president's whatever home. Is it third home, fourth? I don't know how many home it is. 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't even know how to describe Mar-a-Lago. It's 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 <laughs> not in a state. It's just a crass yeah, representation of everything. But um yeah, there also is something about with the news continuing to be as dark as it is, there, there, that that audience sort of allows for a little bit of of levity and and light that kind of breaks up sort of, I'm, I'm sure, kind of the mood of having to discuss a, a lot of really, really dark things. Uh, you know, the repeal of Roe versus Wade. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so much going on that's so negative. Um, it's it's. I know it's got to be hard sometimes, and this is a question you've been asked the past four years, <laughs> the past six years, really, um, but uh, it, it's just relentless. And it, it, I'm sure it's it's takes a toll on you, it takes a toll on your staff. And so, so I'm sure sort of having that audience helps bring a little bit of light in there too. Yeah. And I think, it, it, you know, it does more than just bring light. I think sometimes it also helps um, to remind us of how people are responding to what is happening. You know, um, I've often talked to my friends who are doctors and who work in the ER and, and, and they will, they'll tell me these stories of how doctors become desensitized to bodies. You know, they become desensitized to blood. They become desensitized to people in pain. They become desensitized. And, Part of it is necessary. You know, you, you can't be squeamish with the person who you, you're working on. But, but the other part of it is, I think, a byproduct of just doing it so often that you don't really get thrown by the fact that somebody's liver is hanging outside of their body. You know, you don't get thrown as much by the fact that this person has an axe in their head. And yes, you're good at doing your job. But I do think it is good to be reminded of the humanity on the other side of a story, or, you know, to be reminded of the of the humanity on the other side of, of, of an issue. And and so that's what I appreciate with an audience is, you know, I work with a, a really talented group of people who are super smart and we have engaging conversations. But I won't lie. Sometimes, you know, because we I think we, we have to immunize ourselves to the news that's continuously bad. I mean, mo- all news is bad news. No news is good news. You know, so you're often dealing with the most painful stories. You're dealing with issues that seem to never get better. You're dealing with everything from from police corruption through to, you know, government ineptitude. You know, you're dealing with, um, you know, racial issues. You're dealing with whatever it may be, you're dealing with it. And I think it's good to have people who don't deal with it every day to almost give you the feeling of, what it feels like to engage in a story when it is not something that ex- that you experience all the time. Um, because these are issues that affect people, you know, and that's something that I always try to remember. It's something I always try to work on is, yes, my job as a comedian, that's my passion really, is to find the levity in these moments. You know, I, I often say comedy and, and laughter are a, are a physical manifestation of hope or optimism. But it is good to remember that there is something real happening. And so finding that balance is, is often best achieved when, as the performer, you have real human beings who you are, who you're, you know, you're sharing the stories with. Because then I feel like it creates an honest conversation and it reminds you to keep engaging the human inside of you whilst also allowing the comedian in you to help you get through the tougher moments. 
And, and how do you think you've you've grown in in over the years hosting the Daily Show and in sort of being able to you know uh, serve as a communicator? You're you're able to quickly articulate what people are thinking and feeling, and and really address some of these key issues. You know, seemingly just completely off the top of your head, which is is such a skill. Well, I, I, first of all, thank you. Um, it's not off the top of my head. I think that's that's the that's the difference. Is I spend so much of my time um, reading, learning, um, listening. You know, there are there are many great voices and and thinkers, activists, um, leaders who inspire me, and so I. I always try and learn, and then I, I try reconcile these ideas with my own, and I, I look at the world that is as it exists, you know, what it was, and what I hope it could be, and all of these things come together, and they create an idea, you know, a thought that 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 comes out of me as a human being. I've grown up, and I grew up in a country where hope was the only tool that that people could hold on to, you know, optimism was was the only thing that many people had left in a world that seemed home, hopeless. And, and one of the key aspects I feel of optimism is you're always trying to solve problems. You know, you, you, you cannot have hope without trying to find a solution because then you, you, you're almost delusional. Um, so for me, I'm always sitting and trying to think about what an issue is. And oftentimes, especially in America, I've come to find that most issues are not necessarily issues. They're just communication breakdowns. You know, if you strip away the R next to a politician's name, if you strip away the D next to a politician's name, you find a lot more people agree with it. You find a lot more people find reasons to go along with it. You find people respond to it in a more natural way. And, and I think maybe that's the biggest thing that's, that's changed in me over the years um, doing The Daily Show is I have become more and more comfortable separating myself from the political game that gets played in America. You know, it's the Republican Democrats and, and, and Americans are so sure that this is a thing, Republican and Democrats. There are two sides to every story. There are only two places you can be, but it's not binary. You know, I, I, think, I think politics is a lot more a la carte than people will have you believe. Um, I think, you know, if you come from a country like South Africa, you realize that in many ways, politics is a buffet. People pick the issues that are most important to them. And then in South Africa, you can pick the political party that best represents that. In America, you, you basically have to pick the party that has the most issues that resonate with you. But I, I don't think that's an accurate depiction of, of who human beings are. You know, so, so for myself, I've gotten more and more comfortable in that. You know, I've also gotten more comfortable um, understanding that Americans have I think for a long time lived in such a binary world that they'll put you in a box. So, you know, they'll go like, oh, you're, you're anti-cop because I, you know, do a piece questioning how the police work. And then the very next day, some other people will be like, you're pro-cop, you're part of the problem. I've gotten more and more comfortable being in that space because I understand um, that nuance uh, is not often rewarded, you know, not just in America, but in social media as well. So I think that's the biggest thing that's changed with me over the years is I'm aware I'm conscious. I'm always trying to engage and understand people, but I I also get um, that people's perceptions of a, of a topic um, are not necessarily going to define how I see what the issue may or may not be. 
Yeah, that kind of reminds me of having grown up Catholic. There are certain things that, uh, you know, I can uh, subscribe to uh, in, in the Catholic <laughs> faith and, and certain things that we tend to just let's not go there. Let's not talk about that. That's, that's right. not right. how I feel. But, um, um, you know, it's it's funny uh, with, with so much going on. I also, you know, always wonder just how do you as a team sort of figure out what, what you're going to focus on, what sort of, you know, when, when you have your daily meetings, what, uh -huh, what are those uh -huh. debates like, uh, what are those conversations like in, in sort of, you know, just mapping out the show these days? I think what we always do is remind ourselves that we are also human beings, you know? So what, what do we discuss? What are we talking about? What's happening? What are people talking about? Why does it affect them? Those are like the key things I like to think of all the time as I go, what is affecting somebody? What is affecting everybody? What offends people? And, and then what may bring their spirits up? Because sometimes there are issues that are offending you, but don't actually affect you. You know, oftentimes those will be the ones that get the most um, engagement, funny enough. And then there are issues that are really insidious and yet they just, they just creep beneath the radar. You know, they don't make headlines. They don't really get people engaged. But these are some of the biggest issues that affect your life. You know, whether it's wage theft, whether it's, you know, tax evasion, whether, whether it is corruption, whatever it may be, they're huge, but they, they, it, because they're not, they're not blockbusters, they don't grab people's attention. You know, local news would never cover them because there is no masked villain punching somebody to make the story. And yet there is a giant masked villain who, who is punching everybody in a way that's way worse than you could ever imagine. So what I'm always trying to do on the show is find a balance. You know, I understand that, that people are, are engaged with certain stories. And then there are certain stories that they're not engaged in, but they, they really do affect people way more. And so I'm always trying to find that balance. And I think it all boils down to storytelling. If I find it interesting, then I can make you find it interesting. If I don't, then I stand zero, zero, zero chance of doing this. So I, as Trevor, that's why I try and keep myself informed. That's why I try and discuss things with my friends and my people so that when I'm talking to you as an audience member, I'm having an honest conversation with you as opposed to me reading you a Wikipedia post. You know, I'm, I'm trying to have that, that discussion with you as a human being. Yeah, and and this is where also your your killer team of correspondents comes in, and uh, you know you've you've got an all star team right now doing doing some great work. Definitely, oh, uh, definitely. And 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 I've been also you know I've loved seeing them grow into sort of you know stars in their own rights. Uh, you know, definitely, yeah. I mean, Ronnie Chang's on every show on television now, which and know, movies. I, I I always say to Ronnie, I'm sh I'm shocked that he's still on the Daily Show, and I'm always I'm always grateful to him because. He's in Marvel movies. He's on. He's on TV shows. He's on. But hey, man, as long as he'll roll with me, I'll roll with him. So you know, we we met at a random comedy festival in Australia, and yep, we've been we've been rolling ever since. And uh, to see uh, De Desi get a nomination for uh, Fox explaining things, well deserved. Uh, uh, you know that that's she she's doing. Uh, you know the the, the Lord's work there. Uh, <laughs> she really is. <laughs> Uh, but Klepper, I mean, the things that he is able to do at MAGA rallies and, yes. and, and, you know, that's that that is an art form. And I'm always nervous for him, but also just astounded at, at what he is able to do. Yeah. You know, the thing with Jordan is this. 
it often seems like magic. It often seems like he is some sort of mentalist. But really, as somebody who has had the pleasure of being in an office with Jordan Klepper, having every type of conversation with him, what makes Jordan Klepper so good at what he does is that he listens. He really listens to people when they speak. I guess it's probably his improv background. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal improver. So he listens. And it is interesting how many contradictions you will pick up from people in American politics. I mean, MAGA rallies are probably, you know, the, the most heightened version of it if you just listen. And he's a genius at it. He, he knows how to listen and his, his mind is really quick and he, you know, he keeps himself informed. So he's on top of everything. And I don't know how he does it. He does it to everybody. You know, in the office, I'm, I always say to Jordan, I go, I know I'm always one sentence away from looking like an idiot with you, um, you know, because I really have to think. But, but um, what I love is how he, he allows people to show themselves. I think that's the biggest thing that I enjoy about Jordan Klepper's rallies is, is he's not making anybody say anything. He's just making people comfortable saying what they would like to say. He's, you know, he's giving people um, the rope and then they're choosing uh, to do with it as they please. Um, and, and, and there's a certain brilliance that comes with that. There's a certain, there's a certain talent that isn't easily replaceable. And yeah, again, I'm, I'm, he's another person who from day one, you know, has been with me on this, on this journey and he's just helped the show get, you know, go from strength to strength. Yeah, no, it's, it's an incredible group. I mean, Roy Wood Jr. as well. Uh, I don't know if we've, I've forgotten anyone at this point, but. We'll uh, say Sloan, Roy Wood Jr. Yeah. 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 Um, how would you sort of describe what what it's you know you sort of uh, almost like as the the ringmaster working with them and and sort of what what is that like working with these talents and and uh, you know I know it's it's such a unique sort of relationship uh, on camera right. or off camera as well. Well, I think what I what I'm always trying to do is build on the friendships we have, build on the relationships that the correspondents have with the viewers, and. If anything, you know, Michael, for me, it's, it's just, it's giving people an opportunity to create the world that they wish to create. You know, I, I, I was really lucky to join The Daily Show as a correspondent or as a contributor, actually. You know, I would just pop in occasionally. But I was, I was really, and I'm still grateful, that I was given a platform to share my point of view. You know, here was the show. It was Jon Stewart's show. And Yet I was the South African coming and sharing my point of view on any type of issue. Could have been anything from Boko Haram to, you know, just the perceptions people had of Africa. It didn't matter. But I was sharing my point of view. And, and, and once I took over the show, I, I did my best and I continued to try and, and continue that idea and that legacy and improve upon it, you know. You know, like Hassan Minhaj was amazing on the show and seeing him grow into himself. Yeah. You know, expressing who he is as a human being, seeing everybody else do that. You know, um, Michael Costa, who we didn't mention, you know, he's he's been growing on the show and building a relationship with the audience. And and what I like is all all our correspondents are at different stages. You know, Jordan Klepper has been with me there. I mean, I found him at The Daily Show when I got there. So he's been there longer than I have, you know, and then Roy and I started at the same time. And so did Ronnie and Desi. You know, and then you've got the newer group as well, building and, 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 and creating who they are. And so I think that's, that's been really fun, you know, is being in a world where I, I don't try and dictate. 
You know, I, I don't think of myself as a rig master. If anything, I try to think of myself as a great teammate. You know, I go, I'm the captain of the team. My job is to get this team performing as best as it can. And I want to make sure the ball gets to the players, you know, in the best ways possible. So, you know, to use soccer as the perfect analogy, I, I like to think of myself as a really good midfielder. And my job is to pass the ball to the right player at the right time so that they can score the goal that they need to score. And then the team does well because of that. You know, so I want you to understand who Dulce is. I want you to, to get who Ronnie Chang is. I want you to build a relationship with them as well because that is what The Daily Show is. It is a collection of minds and people and ideas that hopefully reflect the real world. And you know what Americans like? Better, nothing better than a, a soccer analogy. Uh, that, that. <laughs> Really resonates with our crew. Um, I'll, I'll translate it. I'll try. I'll, I'm a point, think of me like a point guard. I'm, a, I'm like a point guard in basketball. And my job is to get the ball to the right player so that they can dunk it or shoot it or lay it up. Uh, I'm like a quarterback. I, my job is to throw the ball to the wide receiver or to the, uh, the tight. Is it a tight end or is it a the, the, the Gronkowski? I throw the ball to the Gronkowski or I throw it. To the to the wide receiver, to the Odell Beckham Jr., whoever it may be. There you that's, go. That's my job. There you go. Um, let's talk about guests real quick because I also I love like just. Did you say make... gas or guests? Yeah, <laughs> guests. But we could talk about gas as well. Oh, I thought you were talking about. I was like, oh, gas, right? The price of gas. Uh, let's do it. Exactly. Um, no, but the guests, uh, because it is such an interesting mix, uh, a lot of unrepresented voices, uh, mm -hmm. underrepresented voices that, that uh, you know, we, we get to see on the show. You know, talk a little bit about the mix of, of guests and also what goes into sort of deciding who you're going to chat with on the show. Well, I, I, I like to chat to people who have something to say. You know, I, I love having people on who are coming to talk about a new TV show. You know, I... I love having A-list celebrities on. There's so much fun. It's, it's, it's a treat for the audience. It's great to catch up with them. You know, with some people, we've even grown, you know, in a, in a similar way in our careers. You know, I remember when Daniel Kaluuya face, first came on the show and I was a huge fan of his already. And now he's Oscar winner, Daniel Kaluuya, and still the great guy that I met and still a friend. And, you know, but, but there are many people out there who may not be mainstream or, or they may not come from a network, but they still have something great to say. I, you know, I'll book guests who I think are fantastic because they're doing amazing things on TikTok. You know, I, I'll, I'll book people who have written a great book. I'll book people who've written a great Twitter thread. You know, I, I, I've tried to open the aperture, you know, just widen that, ap that aperture that I see the world through because there are people who have learned, there are people who are studying, there are people who are activists, there are people who are engaging, there are people who are funny, there, there are many people, they don't all come through the same channels. And so I'm always trying as much as I can to find people wherever they may be um, so that we can cross pollinate what's happening on The Daily Show with, with what's happening in the world. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't only have to center around, oh, these are the people on TV. No, if you've written a great book, uh, you know, I'll have you on the show. If you haven't had the opportunity to write a great book, maybe you've made a great, maybe you've, you've written a great blog post. I'll have you on the show. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the conversation. What matters to me is the discussion. What matters to me is us engaging as human beings in, in, in learning new things, um, in furthering ideas that we already have, 
and in disagreeing in in civil ways. You know, I, I feel like we've lost the ability to to argue with other people whilst still maintaining their humanity, um, and and that's something that I I I think is really scary. Yeah, I think yeah. In society, we have to know how to argue whilst still understanding and treating the person we're arguing with as a human being. Well, I think I think that's a good segue to talk about. That's exactly how you handled the Kanye situation um, in in sort of you know trying to you know civilly engage with him when when you know the, you you did have your moment with him. Um, you know when when you look at that and and how that all went down. Now, what's what, what, you know how do you think that went and you know what what's sort of your reaction now? Well, I think. It went the way it went, you know. Uh, I'm often surprised by how certain things will blow up <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when I don't necess- necessarily intend them to. Um, I think I, I've just become more comfortable speaking my mind in situations where I feel like the mob um, forgets that we're dealing with human beings. You know, it, it's easy um, to stand on the sidelines, see a train crash coming and say nothing about it. And then after the train crashes off the tracks, we say, oh, I saw that coming. Well, then why didn't you say anything? You know, I I, I think as people, especially if you have some sort of platform, you have some sort of obligation to speak a truth, say something, you know, see something, say something. Um, and I, I also understand that human beings are a paradox. You know, we can love people who we hate. We can hate people who we love, you know, human, human beings as a whole are, are, are a complicated paradox. And so I don't like to live in a world where we constantly discard human beings, um, like pieces of trash. You know, I, I can live in a world where I say Kanye West is somebody who has an indelible impression on my life. You know, he's, his music has literally taken me through different periods of, of, of my journey. You know, but then there are also moments where I go like, man, Kanye, you, you're going off the rails here. But I can still say that I, I care for you as a human being. That's, that's why I'm speaking out. I'm not going to not care for you. I'm not going to hate you all of a sudden. You know, and and that's how I try and see the world. That's how I would hope people would see me is if I've engaged you as a human being and if you if you like me or if you'd like anyone in your life, I hope you'd have the ability to say to that person, hey, I think what you're doing here is wrong. I think you may be headed in a dangerous direction. And I'm saying that to you because I like you. I don't I don't discard you as a person. And and I think we we have gotten very comfortable um, discarding human beings, you know, immediately tossing them away and making them irredeemable characters when in fact, all of us, all of us, you know, um, I think all of us should be afforded the the opportunity to to redeem ourselves. All of us should have an opportunity at redemption um, because without that, then nobody should be living anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, and I think uh, you know I, I I like that you had the opportunity also to you know if if Kanye was going to call you a certain name or a certain word, you said, well, wait a second, let's discuss the origins of this word and how it's been used to 
divide our community. And, you know, this, this is, this is, you know, why you should think about this. And, and it was an opportunity to educate, you know, maybe not even Kanye, but just people who are watching and reading this, this exchange. Um, oh, I, I don't, it's funny. I don't even think sometimes that's a byproduct for me. I'm yeah. just, I promise when I'm speaking to a person, I'm speaking to a person. Um, I can also find it funny as well. And that's the thing with me is, oh man, I, I have to work on this sometimes because I am unfortunately, um, well, I, you know, growing up in the world I did and my family and my country and my, you know, I, I'm not impervious, but man, I had to grow up with a, with a tough skin. So there are many things that are not great that I, I find funny, Yeah, you know, I, no. I, I can laugh at them. And so yeah. it doesn't mean that I don't understand the underlying issue, but it doesn't necessarily hurt me. So I am also living in a paradox where I can laugh and go, man, that was funny, but I, I hope you also realize what you stepped into in this moment or, or what you're perpetuating. Well, and, and that's where, you know, when you hosted the Grammys, that was right after the Oscars and you were sort of the first person to sort of have be able to comment on Will Smith and find a way to, you know, balance that, which was tough because we all saw what happened. And that night we are all like making jokes about it. And then by the next day it was suddenly like, Oh no, this is serious. Oh, yeah. No, we can't yeah. make that was a real interesting sort of we all sort of were on this weird journey where at first it was funny and then it wasn't. And now, you know, we weren't sure how to react to it. And that, that was a, a interesting dance. And, and we still see Will Smith kind of, you know, dealing with the repercussions of that as well. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, you know, it's, it's another instance where people, uh, you know, Again, people were so quick to throw a human being away. I, I find it fascinating, to be honest with you. You know, uh, if we look at it through the scales of, of justice, or even if, if you just think of it, you know, through the lens of humanity, how many wrongs or how many rights are worth a wrong? And what wrong erases all the rights? And, and when is a person now vile? And how I was shocked at how many people immediately just went, Will Smith is a, is a trash human being and he's the worst. He should be in the jail. And he should, I was like, whoa, wow. Okay. That was, that was really interesting for me, you know, as, a, as opposed to saying this person who we've loved for so long, who has put, you know, not a foot wrong anywhere. Well, something went wrong here. Something really went wrong. What went wrong? Should we get into that? Should we delve into the humanity of it? Should we ask? Should we care, question? Should we care? Nope. Nope, that's not the world we live in anymore, you know. And then on the same on Chris Rock's side, it was just like, "Well, I should have done this. He should have done that. Should it's like, oh man, or you could just, you know, you could just ask. You could just share compassion. You could, but it's but it's really interesting, you know. People instantly get defined, and you cannot exist in a gray space. You cannot be a good person who's done a bad thing, and you cannot be a bad person who does a good thing. You are either a good person or a bad person, and that is it. And and then society flip flops with you depending on 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 your last action. And um, yeah, I, I try not to, I try not to allow myself to get sucked into that too much. Yeah, and and do you think a lot of that? I mean, is that social media? Is is I mean, or, I mean, definitely. I, I think in a big way. I think yeah. in a big way. I think, I think one of the worst things social media has done to us is it has rewarded the hot take. It has rewarded the most extreme version of any opinion that is out there. You know, so if 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 you put out a nuanced opinion in a tweet 
unfortunately, the algorithm is not going to push that as far because it doesn't engage as many people. And engagement is what social media is trying to achieve. The problem is the best way to get the most engagement is by inflaming tensions. And while that's great for the bottom line of a social media company, it's terrible for us as human beings. You know, if I, if I wanted to get everybody's attention on the freeway, the best way to do it is to cause a giant accident. I'll tell you now, everyone's going to stop and everyone's going to look, but that's terrible for the freeway. And so I like to think of us as society, we're on the freeway. We're all trying to get somewhere. We're trying to do something. And, you know, on social media, the algorithm knows if I can turn this into a giant catastrophe, a huge pileup, then I'll get everybody to stop and chime in. And I don't think that's the best thing for us as people. You know, I, I, I don't think we, we want to live in a world where we reward only the extremes. Because I think most people exist in a world of understanding. I think most people exist in a world of nuance. And when you, when you step away from social media, and as the kids say, when you go outside and touch grass, then, uh, you know, you, you start to realize that people are a lot more kind and nuanced than, um, than the tweets and, and, and the TikToks will have you believe. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, the, the social media came after 10 years of, of you know, reality TV villains and, and also <laughs> extremes. And uh, it just that, that sort of laid the groundwork, I think, for where we are now as well. So as always, thank you, Mark Burnett. But um, so Trevor, seven nominations, the most ever for The Daily Show under your watch. Um, what does that mean to you? And, uh, you know, what uh, how, how are you feeling? about uh, you know, the recognition and uh, going into to, to the Emmys this year? I'm, I'm eternally grateful, you know, um, because I will never forget starting The Daily Show and being inundated by a world of doubts, you know, people doubting Desi Lydic, who is now nominated for an Emmy, people doubting, you know, me, people doubting the show, people doubting our ability, everyone who was, who was on it together. Um, and I understand that doubt. You know, I think as, as humans, we are not comfortable with anything new. But it's also something that has constantly kept me in a place of gratitude. I do not take any of this for granted. I know that it can all go away tomorrow. And so every day I do the best I can. And, um, you know, I, I always tell my team, don't forget, we're lucky to be on, on TV. You know, we're lucky that people still watch what we create. So let's enjoy it as, uh, as if it may go away tomorrow. So for the nominations, I mean, that's, that's insane. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a testament to the team. It's a testament to how hard everybody has worked. You know, everybody, you know, you know my executive producer, Jen Flans, marshalling the troops and growing, you know, our staff from... I think it was like 90 something people or 90 odd people when I took over to now 140, 150. And we're doing everything. You'll find us on TikTok. You'll find us on Snapchat. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on YouTube. You'll find us on, on linear television, on cable. You'll find us uh, on podcasts. You know, you'll, you'll find us everywhere. And what we're trying to do is keep the same standards and, and you know, have the same level of quality. And so it really is an honor. Um, being nominated um, seven times because it's hard. It's hard to get anybody to watch anything you create in this day and age. And I say this as a fan of so many shows. There are so many shows I watch where I go, man, I can't believe that didn't get nominated. I can't believe that didn't happen. I, I'm glad that did. And 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's easy. I don't take it for granted. And, um, and so I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, it's wonderful to get the recognition from the industry. Um, in addition to the recognition that our audience gives us every day. And as a bonus, I think, are you the only late night host at this point to have not gotten COVID or at least to not have to <laughs> shut down their show because of COVID? So, oh, that's funny. Is that is that a real thing? Did, did Kimmel get COVID, though? Kimmel got it twice. I don't think. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. I don't remember Oliver getting COVID. Um, I don't know about Oliver. You're right. Yeah, I don't remember all of it getting cold. Well, he's no. only he's he's yeah. weekly though. He could have gotten it and then still, <laughs> so, so okay, I'll oh, paraphrase man. it. A daily show. Yeah, yeah no. I feel <laughs> like you, I, I read a really I read I read a really interesting article about this the other day saying that the likelihood is that everybody has gotten it, but you just may not know that you got it because you may have been completely asymptomatic. So um I do know every time I got really sick, I tested and I didn't have it. But then there are times when I think maybe I, it was just lingering and I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I uh, touch wood, you know, my lungs are still good. And um, we haven't had to stop the show because of COVID um, yet. But you might have jinxed us now, Michael. So I know. That. I, that's, Thank you so that's much. For that. I didn't even think of it. That is on me. So uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> Um, well, congratulations, Trevor, as always. Um, always great to catch up and, um, you know, so, so happy to, like I say, have the Daily Show in my life and our lives. So best to you. And um, hopefully we'll see you during Emmy week. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. And um, I don't take it for granted that I am in your life. I appreciate everybody who, you know, engages with the show um, in the time that they do. Some people DVR it and watch it all at once at the end of a week. Some people are there nightly. Others watch us online. However you do. I appreciate it to every single person who, you know, voted for us and, and supported us. I'm grateful to you. And as always, Michael, it's an absolute pleasure. That's Trevor Noah, host of the Emmy-nominated The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on Comedy Central. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>